North Pole Radio contains frank discussions of the secret of Santa and is therefore not intended for younger listeners. Welcome back to North Pole Radio. I am Matt. Thanks for bearing with me while I took a little bit of time off uh, to, you know, take a breather after Christmas and everything like that between, you know, being Santa and being a postal worker and being, you know, a husband and everything. December was, you know, just mad. (laughs) And um, I just needed a little bit of breather because uh, podcasting is also a little bit of work. And I am excited that this is going to be the first episode back because I'm going to do something a little bit different. I have brought back two of uh, some of my favorite guests that I have had on the show uh, to do kind of a a little mini uh, beginner's class. I hope that maybe uh, folks that are just beginning their Santa journey can get something out of this, or maybe uh, folks who are already a few years in their Santa journey can get a little bit of something out of this. And so that is why I brought back Santa True, who uh, runs Christmas Performer Workshop to do a little bit of teaching, and my pal Brendan Lowe, who just did his first Santa season uh, this past December. So welcome back, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Matt. Of course. Um, Now, I kind of had... when I thought of this, kind of like a Q&A, but Brendan, you said something very funny to me, which <laughs> I totally understood, which was, now I feel like somebody who had a whole list of things I wanted to buy and got a great big gift certificate and now has no idea. And you can't find anything you want. <laughs> it's always the way. Was, yeah, when you've got, was... when you don't have a lot of money, you see everything you want to buy. Then when you get the chance, you're like, what, what am I going to get? There's so many options. I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I don't, uh, I don't if, if you didn't come up with any questions, that's okay as well. Um, but uh, I figure maybe I'll turn it over to True to begin with and say kind of if somebody is beginning True, maybe, uh, I don't know what the word is. What do you think is one of the most, if you want to be performing, let's start there. Maybe... A well, short kind of list of things to consider if you're going so to be performing or something like that. I don't know how to word way, it. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. Um, so I do this on a fairly regular basis. People, a um, friend of a friend says, hey, I have a friend who's interested in being a Christmas performer. Can you talk to him, True? And, I, I, you know, I pass on all the information that I can. Uh, hopefully, um, one of the... Uh, signatures of a conversation with me as I've left you with more information than you know what to do with. Uh, <laughs> you come to my workshops, you leave glazed like a fine donut. Um, so uh, first of all, uh, congratulations on your first season, Brendan. Way to go. Thank you. Yeah, I think I'm not, a, I think the when I was on the first episode in early December, mm-hmm. I think I'd only been doing the letter writing. 
at that you point. You had you had scheduled your first visit with with one of your neighbor's children. Yes, but had yeah. to be scheduled because the mother was ill. That's right. Yeah, so it kind of snowballed a little bit from there. So I did that visit. Um, I did a because I had to reschedule that same weekend. I actually did one just at home with my son as like a first dipping my toe in, and then it went pretty well. Um, I got a bit of a taste for it, and then I. I updated, I well, I ordered a completely new suit from there. That happened very quickly. Um, then I did, yeah, the home visit with my neighbor. Um, I did another visit here at home when one of uh, our good family friends and her little daughter came over. Uh, I then got um, asked by someone who I went to primary school with, who I haven't seen in 20 odd years, if I wanted to do a Christmas Eve visit um, with, with four children that were in her care. Um, and then I did it again on Christmas Eve with my son and his cousins. So I did about five or so visits to Santa and I had an absolute blast. And now I'm addicted and 2023 so is going to be the year of getting everything sorted for, for this coming season. So, Brendan, where are you located in Australia? I'm in Brisbane in Australia. Excellent. Okay. I'm in uh, Southern California. So a little closer to your time zone, tiny bit. Uh, probably a little bit more like my weather too. <laughs> True that. Yeah, um, and we don't have the, quite the day. number of animals that will kill you as Australia does, but we have a fair number. <laughs> yeah, that's um, sure. When I was in Southern California in October, I saw my first real live black widow spider. So that was <laughs> speaking of animals that that's totally off topic, but I did see it when I was there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what I do is when I when I talk to somebody um, who is a uh, fairly new. Uh, I try to find out a couple of things. And and first of all, I, I talk to them about what is their background, what performing background they have, you know, what is bringing them into the art. So uh, I consider Christmas performing to be an art. I honestly think this should be taught in college, that we should have, you should be able to get a degree in being a, a character performer. I think it, it's something that's been around for a couple hundred years. It's due. Mm. So that that kind of gives you the perspective to me the most important thing about christmas performing beyond you know of course bringing the magic for the for the clients and everything but on on a personal level um is where do you want to take this what is going to help you bring the magic what is going to help you bring the cool things that are in you out um both as a character and the the, the kind of performances you want to do and that sort of thing and so there are kind of two sides to the Christmas performing equation. Side one is the business side. And so the business side is the contracts and the hair bleaching or the designer beards or the costuming, you know, um, the marketing, all that. So there's that whole and whole ball of wax. And that is very important. That, that's and my then, 2023. That's right. what I wanted to focus the, on this year. Yeah. The, the flip side of that equally important is the performing side. Because mm -hmm. what you don't want to be is a glorified seat cushion. You don't want to just be, <laughs> you know, somebody who looks pretty in pictures and um, and doesn't have much repertoire beyond that. You need both sides and you need to invest in both sides. So if you were to say, uh, if you talk to most Christmas performers, most of them in our art form right now here in the U.S. tend to join later in life, usually around 55 years old, and they usually go about 20 years. And so that works out to roughly about 700 days, give or take. Mm -hmm. Now, Brendan, you're starting a lot younger. You're uh, what, in your uh, 
I'll be 39 in just under two weeks. Wow. Okay. I never would have called that. You look a lot younger. <laughs> Thank you. I, I get that a lot. <laughs> it's it's all, all, all the healthy living down there in Australia. Um, so um, what's what that means, though, is you have a couple of challenges ahead of you. Mm-hmm. Challenge number one is, is that the um, the Christmas community and market is 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 very dissimilar to that of what we have here in the U.S. You know, it's uh, it's a smaller market and the resources aren't there as much for you. Mm-hmm. And um, I would wager to say most of the Santas down there are probably designer bearded Santas. Yeah, I, I think I mentioned it on the last episode. I have noticed the last year or so there is a bit of a change um, with some, well, I mean, you call them malls, we call them shopping centers here. Um, I've seen quite a few shopping center Santas in the last year or two with with real beards, which I've, I never imagined. I never saw that as a child, but I would still say there's a, the vast majority would be um, designer beards. And even then they're kind of more the, um, you know, not the style that say Matt right. wears. It's more like, yeah, you, you, you're not, it'd be a nylon like the. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like so, synthetic. Yeah. Synthetic. Yeah. Synthetic. So what you're tapping into here um, with North Pole radio and CPW and everything is you're talking to what I would call a more mature market. Mm-hmm. And also, um, because of the nature of how Christmas is seen here in the United States, there's a lot more investment in it from the businesses. Mm-hmm. And so you have Hollywood creating commercials. You have the photography companies doing photography in, in the malls or the shopping centers. And then also we have a fairly strong special events uh, industry uh, yeah. where, you know, you can do home visits, parades, all sorts of different other kinds of things. So our market is a bit more mature. Now, uh, I would love to come down to Australia and and, and share the CPW mindset uh, with your performers down there, because I think I could really help you develop the market. But that being said, you've got the two sides going. You've got the, the performing side and you've got the marketing side. So both of those you need to address. And then the other thing is, is uh, you want to be able to find a good mentor down there who shares kind of the same mentality that you do, the kind of stuff that you want to focus on. So let's say, for instance, you said, you know, true, um, you know, I, 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 the mall thing is okay, or the, the shopping center thing is okay, but, you know, I'd really love to do, like, you know, more special events. I'd really love to do more home visits. I'd love to see if we could develop that. Home visits is my thing. I can say that straight off the bat. Like that's there you go. kind of where I want to want to be is so home visits and, and small little events. Right, right. And so, well, by the way, a small little uh, first rule of being a special events performer is you never know what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah. That is because... so true. I had uh, just just go ahead. real quick. I this past season had <clears throat> uh I called it my my worst event I've had. Um, what you know, I don't want to paint it out as as a nightmare necessarily, but I had been hired. Um, a woman had told me that it was going to be her son and like a couple friends. I said okay. First of all, I went in only had information on her son, even though I had requested information. Second, I got there. It was not her son and a couple friends. It was her son and like a houseload of children and their parents. 
Yep. And the house was not very large. And the adults did not want to be quiet. The adults themselves were very loud and the children were out. I mean, I was, so when you, when you talk about never knowing. And it was hot as hell too, wasn't it? It was also wicked hot in that house. Yes. It was also, I had also said, please, I I do to all my customers, please don't have your house very And I was sweating bullets. Uh, two things. Um, if you go to Gig Salad, I have written a bunch of articles about how to have a smooth home visit, how to have a smooth corporate visit. And uh, I'll send you the links for that. But for those people who are listening in, they're very handy articles. Please um, use them and uh, file the serial number off of them and, uh, you know, uh, adapt them so that you have a handout that you can send to clients when you send them the contract. So they're very useful articles. Um, and I wrote them for this purpose. The only thing I ask is just don't republish them and charge money, um, which people have done. Oh, really? Um, oh, God. Yeah. So um, here, here's the thing. You're um, So you've already said, I love this home visit thing. And so that tells me a, a couple of things about your character right there. First of all, you're not uh, afraid of in-person performance. You thrive in the flow. When those mm-hmm. kids are engaging with you, when the light goes on and the magic is happening, that's where you live. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. That's, it, that's what it's all about for me. It's about, right. it's about the magic for the kids. Right. And so for some people, a home visit is going to be very challenging because it requires a certain amount of improv. It, it requires a certain amount of, of content. And mm-hmm. so, for instance, when I do a home visit here in the U.S., uh, it depends on whether I have a half hour gig, an hour gig, as uh, as our, our friend just uh, said, you never know how many people are going to be at that gig. Right. And so, you know, they may have completely sandbagged me and said, oh, uh, there's only going to be 10 people here. And I get in there and there's there's 50 people. Right. Mm-hmm. And they all want to do photos and they only booked me for a half hour. Hang on a second. I'm trying to get my camera working here. That's a little better. Well, maybe. Anyway, uh, and so um, how those people deal with me at that point um, is is really a, a big question, you know, because I know that they're going to be really bent out of shape if I don't get enough of those uh, photos done, if I don't get a photo with everybody. On On the flip side, they want to have some entertainment, too. And so, you know, what am I going to do for that entertainment? Am I going to be storytelling? Am I going to be singing? Am I going to be, um, uh, you know, doing character work? Do I have games and interactive things that I'm going to be doing with them? You know, and so when I teach the workshops, one of the things I do is I, I walk them through all the different things that they can do. And so this is how you do a big entrance. Okay. This is how you do a big entrance with a Mrs. Claus. Right. Um, I work the room first, you know, and who do I go to first? Right. And then after we, we teach you how to do the big entrance and how to work the room for me, what's the next thing up on a home visit? Well, next thing up is I probably want to get all the photos out of the way. And so I've already sent them a, a, a document saying, Hey, listen, here's how you set this up to have a smooth home visit. Please don't put me next to the fireplace. Please don't put me begin uh, against a big glass window because it's going to reflect the flash. I've already kind of gotten, you know, please get the dog and lock it up somewhere. So it's not, you know, jumping after Santa Claus because I am big and fuzzy. And yeah. so, 
Those suits aren't now, <laughs> I've already kind of gotten into the mindset of my clients to help them figure out how to have a good visit. And then I'm going to I'm going to do the photos. And while while the photos are happening, kids are going to ask questions. People are going to ask questions. And that's when I might do, you know, what do you want for Christmas? You know, I might do the little uh, because now they're already touching me. They're already close to me. Right. So we do the photos and everything. Well, did you want to tell me what you want for Christmas? So we get that out of the way. And so one thing is naturally leading to another. And then so now we're getting to question and answer period. And so we do a bit of question and answer thing. And then I might say, you know, up at the North Pole, we do a lot of singing up there, a lot of storytelling, because sometimes the northern lights knock out the power and everything. And we've been doing this for a thousand, couple of thousand years, actually. Would you like to share a song with me? I'm thinking of a song, and I'll just start ringing my bells. What song am I thinking of? Hmm. <laughs> And the kids will say, Jingle Bells, the very one. And then I pull a big bell strap out of my bag and I hand the kids the bell strap and they all grab hold. And then we do Jingle Bells. And then I edutain about Jingle Bells. I talk about the history of the song Jingle Bells, which, by the way, was written for Thanksgiving. And it's essentially the Beach Boys song of its time period. It's all It was not allowed to be sung in church. It was very risque. Oh, and, wow. and, yeah, no, and all that's the way it is with almost all Christmas music, is it has interesting backstories that, that go with it. And so after I go Jingle Bells, then I might go into Rudolph, and then I might say, would you like to hear a story? Boom. So singing, storytelling, and then so on and so forth. And then, for instance, one of my favorite things is what's called a countdown out. And that's where I've already talked to the people. I'm going to hand out the presents, but they don't get to open them until I'm on my way out the door and I yell, Merry Christmas. Yep. And so I go, 10, 9, 8, you know, and I'm, I'm having a lot of, and I'm drawing it out and raising the anxiety. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, Merry Christmas! And the kids go nuts. Merry Christmas, uh, uh, happy, uh, how, how do I put it? Oh, yes. Happy Christmas to all, and to all a good night. And out the door and ringing the bells as I walk away. And those kids are not going to follow me out to see the reindeer because they're yeah. busy ripping into their presence. I have left it on the highest possible energy I possibly can. Yep. That's a good idea. Because the one I the one I did on Christmas Eve, <clears throat> pardon me, with the four kids, all they really wanted to know about was how did I get there? Mm -hmm. Did I drive a car? And where's the car? And I, I used um things that I'd heard actually on North Pole Radio about how, you know, I can only fly um, on Christmas Christmas Eve night. I only have clearance to fly. Um, I did have to hire a car to get here. <laughs> um, and as I was about to leave, it was three little girls and one little boy. The little boy bolted out of the room and was trying to see the car. And <laughs> in my head, I'm like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And, and one of the parents pulled him back into the room. It was like a little rumpus room. <laughs> so it was all sort of separate from the rest of the house. And they got him back in and they shut the door and then I could leave. And I went down to one of the bedrooms and took the beard and everything off. But that that's a good idea. I'll, I'll could I offer, can I offer an alternative? Yes. Um, what I tell the children is, is that the, the reindeer fly all year round. Mm -hmm. And so if it's before Christmas Eve, I have a small sleigh uh, where I get pulled by one of my favorite uh, uh, old reindeer. His name is Zephyr. And he's the okay. very... He's the oldest reindeer. He was the very first one to learn how to fly, and he hates being left behind. And so uh, Zephyr and the small sleigh, which is called a Zoomer, um, is in a park not far away, and then a friend uh, friend dropped me off. Okay. 
And then what I did, because it's, you know, Santa Claus, it's easy to ask for a ride. Who doesn't want to help Santa? And so anyway, what I always do is I always, uh, uh, Santa <clears throat> always parks around the corner. And yes, I parked as far away as I could. <laughs> right. And, and so, um, but the thing is, is even if I, I don't have a countdown out, when I leave, they know I'm headed to a park. So there's no point in, in them trying to find uh, find the reindeer. Mm. And, and I tell them the reason why I leave them in a park is, first of all, it gives them a place to graze and do things like that and do reindeer things. And, and I don't have to sw uh, sweep up the reindeer poop and all that. But but the other big advantage is, is, is that um, reindeer draw a crowd. And so if they're on a rooftop or something, then I have problems with the FAA and flight patterns. And then the other thing is, is that if I park them down on the ground, the neighborhood's going to fill up. And so I, I've just learned that if I want to stay on schedule, I have to park them someplace. And the other thing to know is reindeer are kind of shy. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so uh, they, they're, they, they don't want to deal with the paparazzi. And so. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I had to use that one. Um I, I had a public event and just the, the place I had to park was just, there was no avoiding the fact that people were going to see Santa getting yep. in and out of a car. And luckily uh, there is a nearby airport from where my event was. It's like 10 minutes down, you know, 10, 20 minutes from, I, I was like, you know, the reindeer, they're just in one of the hangars over at the airport. They're going to hang mm -hmm. out there. And I had to drive a car over because I can't put a sleigh and reindeer in this parking lot. The The reindeer are going to get scared of all the cars and they're going to take off. So uh, as Matt pointed out, we've just given you two or three different potential mm. dialogue points that you can use. Probably the most valuable thing you can get in your entire Christmas performing career is what I call the grayware. All the shtick, all the stories, all the, the memes and ideas and ways to handle things. And that, a lot of it isn't written down. A lot of it is handed on from one person to another person. You sit and you gossip with the other Santas and other Christmas performers and you learn and you intuit. However, the problem is, is in the Christmas community, a lot of this stuff flows away and it never comes back. I'll give you an example. I have, I'm here in Thousand Oaks and I would do home visits. Um, I probably do about, I would guess 30 or 40 home visits at a minimum during a season. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of families say, uh, Santa, as you leave, when you leave, could you yell, go, go reindeer? And I said, sure, I would be delighted to. Um, why? And they said, we had a Santa. And uh, that was his tagline. Every time he headed out the door, he would yell, go, go, reindeer. And that was the, the, the signal for the reindeer to come and pick him up. And I was, like, really touched. And one of the things you realize is when you're dealing with your clients is once you do home visits, you become their, their Santa. Santa. Yeah. Right. They're very possessive about their Santa. Once they love you, you're in. Mm -hmm. And and for as long as they as they can figure out a, a good reason for you to be there. And so but the thing is, is I never found out which Santa it was who did the go go reindeer. I never found out the story behind it. And that's one of those mm -hmm. grayware things that we could do a much, much better job of passing on in the Santa community. We there's the all reason this, I do this. I yep. think I've met so many people that have great stories and stuff. And mm -hmm. I was like, boy, I want people to be able to hear this stuff, you know? Yep. 
Absolutely. And Matt, thank you so much for doing this. Of course. So here, but here's the thing. So let's say, Brendan, you're going to do your 20 years as a Christmas performer, in your case, 30 years. Okay. Um, so 30 years as a Christmas performer, God willing. Throughout your journey, you're going to be picking up different skills. You're going to be bringing different things. You're going to get burnt out on some things. You're going to find and try new things. And the Christmas field, as you know, it is going to change. You know, uh, a few years ago, there was no elf on the shelf, which, by the way, I find them to be creepy little buggers. Oh, yeah. yeah. Same. I've got, a, I've got a, a baby that's going to be two in April, and my wife and I are both like, Oh God! I hope we can avoid the elf on the shelf, but it's so yeah, popular. Yeah. I don't think we'll, we'll be able to. If we'd had an elf on the shelf when I was growing up, he would have been buried in the back li- backyard. Yeah. <laughs> stitches get stitches. Yeah, uh, they're impossible. <laughs> they're they're almost impossible to get away from now. So yeah. many kids. So many kids things. do it, but, and he'll get to school, and they'll talk about it. It's like oh, so. Here, here's a question, Brendan. Uh, kids like to challenge, and so a kid uh, challenges you and says. Santa, what's the name of my elf on my shelf? <laughs> what do you yep. Um, I would frantically look at the parent. At the moment, I would frantically look at the parent because I wouldn't know what else to do and see if that sort of... So what you... To me. So uh, Brent, uh, 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 Matt has his, his answer. I have my answer. So Matt, go ahead and give your answer. Uh, basically, I have... Um, a stock answer uh your elf's name is flula and they say well no it's not and i say well uh that was their name in elfish when they let oh that's right you rename them what did you rename your i can't remember and my elvish sounds like the swedish chef basically yeah so that's where flula came from so uh, yeah so his answer is very similar to mine my answer would be oh his name his name is snarfgrat snubaloo and they go, what? <laughs> Snarf got Snoobaloo. That's his elvish name. I don't know what you named him in human. What did you finally go with? Mm-hmm. And they, they go, uh, you know. And then uh, the the other thing is, is the kid will say, oh, Santa, do you know what my name is? And I'll look at him. Harvey Picklenose. And the kid will go, what? <laughs> Your name is Harvey Picklenose, right? No. Your name is Amaranda Dowdlehow. And they'll go, no, and I'll just keep coming up with silly names mm-hmm. until finally the kid, the, one of the kids next to him go, no, his name is Matt, right? And, and I'll go, well, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had forgotten your own name, but you got to remember, I visit 223 million homes. That's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, I don't do the funny part, but I do when, when, when kids... Most situations I go into, I have pre-learned the child's name. But if That's I what am I'm in hoping a, to do. Yeah, if I'm <laughs> in a place where I don't know, like I go and I visit a Girl Scout troop uh, and I tell yeah. them, I tell them and when I come in the room and I'm sitting down and they're going to come take their pictures, I do a uh, true thing where I say, you know, I visit millions of homes. I, di- I didn't have the exact number. I don't always have the exact number on hand. My memory goes in and out. Uh, but I say, you know, I visit millions of homes. I know all the children's names, but I don't see you all very often. I forget which name goes with which face. So when you come up, you better tell me which name goes with your face or I'm not going to know. And another thing you can point out is you got to remember the last time I saw you, you were two. It it was a year ago or two years ago. You've grown so much. I barely recognized you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
And so, oh, because every, the thing to remember, to <laughs> Santa Claus, every time he steps into the river, it's a different river. Yeah. Mm. So, anyway, my, my, my point is, is that this grayware is this body of lore, this body of expertise, this body of performing uh, uh, content is what is going to define you as a character. To be the best Christmas performer you can be, you've got to excel on both sides. You got to be the the consummate professional who always has a contract, who is oh you know gets the background insurance, gets the the you know or gets the background check and gets the insurance and and yep. does sort of things. And then the other thing is is as a performer, you know you want to do your best to make certain that every time you go out you're bringing an awesome performance. Uh, a friend of mine, Glenn Heroy, one of the most amazing performers I know. He's based in New York. Um, he is literally a human chameleon. He plays every character under the sun. And he gave two wonderful pieces of advice. One was, um, first of all, it's not about you. If you go out the door thinking, you know, it's not about me. I am you've got to remember when we pass on, they're not going to say, oh, it was Santa True or Santa Matt or Santa Brendan. They're going to say, oh, what a great Santa. And he's there with with Uncle Tim and Aunt Sally. Mm -hmm. Our art form is one of the most unique art forms in the fact that if we've done our job right, we've contributed to an anonymous art form. We've created a body of work. We have helped our communal brand. We've made more magic. And at the end of it, we're anonymous. Yeah. So that's a really cool concept. And there, there's no other art form like that out there, really. And then the other thing to, to remember, uh, as he put it, he says, imagine every day that you go out the door, it is the last time you'll ever get a chance to do what you're going to do. And I mean, that one just hit me like a, like a ton of bricks. If this was the last time you would ever get a chance to play Santa or play Mrs. Claus or an elf or what have you, how would you feel about that? And so if you, you keep those kind of things in your mindset, it's really, really going to help you. In my workshops, uh, I, I start off with philosophy because I, it's, to me, where we start off in our heart is going to have a huge bearing on how we uh, bring this into our art. And so I, I teach, uh, I call out in my workshop, I say, uh, ABH, and that stands for always be humble, ABL. Always be learning. Uh, NBC, never break character. And finally, great performers do what? They practice and perform throughout the year. And so a couple of uh, big challenges that, that we have in our art form is, which in, in a way, where you are is going to help you with this. Um, in the United States, uh, Christmas performers tend to think only in terms of Christmas performing. And so yeah. they'll go to the same Christmas school or uh, the same regional group, and they'll do the same thing over and over and over. However, it's called, uh, I call us Christmas performers because that's what we are. And you got to stay away from the mindset where you hear somebody says, I'm not a performer. I am Santa. That's actually, yeah. that, that's a toxic mindset because we are performers. Okay. 
And unless, you know, when you uh, when you are Santa, it, it magically came with vocals and improv and mime and character work and patter and all the other things that, that it takes to give a great performance, you're doing yourself a disservice. And so I don't know about in Australia, but here in, in the U.S., we have places called performing arts colleges, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go and study and become a great performer. And so, for instance, here in Los Angeles, I can go take an improv class. I can go take a mime class. I can go take a vocals class. I can, I can, you know, go and do all these other things outside of Christmas performing. And as I go out there and I take a clown class or I take a, a, a singing class or I join a choir or I join Toastmasters, this kind of stuff is really going to help me in my journey. Matt, you were going to say something? Well, no, I, I, I have a question. Maybe, Brendan, you can can jump in but he, he was saying uh different things about performing and i was just wondering how uh brendan's wife being an opera singer may contribute oh, wow. to his his uh performance <laughs> um she helped me this past season find my voice if that makes sense because i i didn't know how to talk as santa mm. um and and we sort of I know you sort of talked about I think using like lower register and things like that, Matt. And yes, I we, mentioned that because I I talk like this. This is my voice. Yeah. Um. And I I don't particularly sound to myself like I think, but I'm not going to do the big deep voice fake Santa yeah. that you hear actors do in movies or mall Santas. You know, I just this is the lower range of my voice. This is as low as my voice goes naturally. And I will make an effort to not sound like this in my norm. I will make the conscious effort to speak at the lowest register I can naturally. And that to me personally is just how Santa sounds when I'm Santa is just the mm-hmm. lowest end of my own natural register. Um, unless I get sometimes Santa still sounds like this when I if I get excited and I kind of lose myself in the moment, Santa just ends up sounding like that. And that will yeah. happen, you know, and I'm okay with that. Um, but uh, for the most part, Santa has just a little bit lower where I'm not going cartoonishly low. I'm not being a cartoon Santa, you know, but yeah, I'm, I'm what's also, your, you know, what's your, uh, your character voice, what you're looking for is something called prosody. You're, you're trying to uh, weave in the character voice into your natural voice and yeah. you're, you're changing your, the, the speed at which you talk the timber at which you talk, the character of which you talk. And so what you want to do is you want to blend it. And so you're not down there, you know, ho, 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 right, the whole time. And you're not up here talking, you know, like you're you're like somebody who's never been around a Christmas tree. What you're looking for is that blend. Right. And so what you're looking for is that blend. And yeah. that's where character work comes in. That's where building your patter comes in. That's going to make you a strong, you know, jumping jingle bells. It's so good to see you. How are you all doing? That's wonderful. I've been busier than a reindeer on roller skates. And you know how busy that is. And so when I break into that character voice, right, it's not that dissimilar from my normal voice. But it's enough. Just that touch, just a wee drop will be enough to kind of give it that flavor that's going to capture the imagination. Remember, you're a sum total. You're you're the, the physical image that you're presenting. So that's expressiveness, body language, and then the vocals 
what you're doing with your extraordinary expressive voice, and then how you use words, you know, racing reindeer, jumping jingle bells, you know, using alliteration and using all that beautiful uh, language. Because one thing that Christmas is all about is using all this amazing language to bring to to bring this magical character to life. Now, the reason I'm I'm kind of focusing on the on the performing is, first of all, that's what I teach. But but the other thing is, is that um, of the things that is going to be the biggest challenge for you, it's going to be the um, uh, it's going to be the performing side. Mm-hmm. Um, every year you're going to have to up your game on the marketing. Every year you've got to have new photos. Every year you want to be bringing out something new in your costuming. Yeah. But the simple truth is the. Uh, the wand chooses the wizard, Harry. Okay. You can have the most magical wand in the world, but it's the wizard that makes the magic. And yeah. so it doesn't matter how good your suit is, you can still be a glorified seat cushion. And yeah. so the better you train yourself and practice and, and, and work on developing your character, the stronger your performance is going to be, the more money you're going to make, the more gigs you're going to get, the more kind of things that you want to do. And another kind of quasi in between the business and the marketing stuff is getting into the head of your client and making their vision come true. And so what do you want to do? Well, hey, I have an idea. How about we do X, which is, by the way, something you've always wanted to do. And they go, ooh, let's do X. And suddenly now you're out there singing or or performing in front of them. When I talk to my clients, a lot of times I've been to some place where essentially the, the Santa that was before me was not all that inspiring. And I go, I, I say, okay, well, da, 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 and I'll need a microphone. And they go, why? And I say, because I'm going to be doing call and response. I'm going to be singing. I'm going to be storytelling. I'm going to be getting the audience engaged. And they're like, okay. And then I go and I do the gig. And later on, I'm, you know, in the kitchen getting a glass of water, you know, it's a country club or something. And they come running in and go, oh, my God, I had no idea that a Santa could do that. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's he's not wrong. Um, uh, Brendan, I'm where I'm located up here in Vermont. I'm kind of in, I assume, kind of a similar situation to you where it's not uh, like a very populous area necessarily. Like I, I'm kind of um in a in a smaller market essentially like true over there in california uh they have lots and lots of santas in california it's a great big state lots of people they have Mm. tons of santas over here in vermont we don't you know we don't have a lot of santas and there are some santas uh there's one in in the local mall every year there's a guy here that lives not far from me looks very much like santa but is um Seems not quite right to call him a glorified seat cushion. I call him more of just like a parade <laughs> Santa. Well, no, he's mm-hmm. more of a parade Santa. He looks very good to walk around and wave, and he can say, what do you want for Christmas and pose for photos. But as far as I know, he doesn't perform very much, you know? And then there's a couple other ones I've seen around in, like, stores and whatnot. So to my knowledge, I'm the only person in my area that is a performing Santa. I haven't just from Googling and stuff. There's two or three sort of in the Brisbane area that I'm aware of. But Brisbane, like it's one of Australia. It's the capital city of my state. It's it's but it's It's not. It's a big city. Yeah. 
yeah, it's not say to the size of like say you're Sydney and Melbourne, sure. um, but in saying that you know we're we're hosting the Olympics. Like, yeah, so I guess what I mean is like we're but, a big city. Yeah, so I but I guess I mean in terms of of Santa saturation, you know. So yeah, you have, yeah. So what True was talking about when people run in and say, "Oh my God, I had no idea a Santa could do that." I did a Christmas Eve Santa sighting this year, you know, the one where I go into the house and the kids can yep. catch me. And while I'm there putting the presents in the bag, you know, and the parents are, are waiting to go upstairs and wake the kids, the mother goes, this is so funny. We never had anything like this when I was a kid. I said, yeah, oh God, not when I, would I have was died. a kid either. You know, I would have absolutely they, died. The, the fact that I could do that for them and that somebody was offering that to that to their family blew their mind. They thought it was the greatest thing. And then I worked with a photographer, same thing. She said to me, God, I hate saying things like this because I don't like tooting my own horn. But she did the same thing where she wrote a, a, a very nice review on my Google page. It was like, this is the most realistic Santa you can have an encounter with that, you know, that he he has answers for stuff. He he's has props. He has this. He has that. like so when True says gathering this knowledge can really, especially in a market that that people don't encounter that, it's a mm. really very true thing. And even I guess in, in in your market out there in Thousand Oaks, True, where somebody still is running in, going, "I had no idea yeah. Santa could do that." So uh, I mean, I kid you not, I have some of the most famous Santas in in the United States in my backyard. So the That's competition true. is pretty fierce. Um, but for what I do. I know I'm pretty much the guy to go to. If you want storytelling, Santa True is the guy to go to. Santa uh, True was the Santa at the Santa Claus's premiere. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Tim Allen, we're best buds. Um, <laughs> and I'm saying that jokingly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it, but he did give me bunny ears, which I thought was cute. Yeah. Um, so anyway, um, so here's the thing. Invest in yourself, invest in your art form. Mm -hmm. See it as a journey. See it as something that you're going to be changing and developing and working with. You're going to be mentoring other people. You're going to be mentored by other people. To be a good Santa Claus citizen, you want to invest in your community. Because one of the, again, one of the big problems we have here in the United States is we'll have a group of 100 people, but only eight of them are doing the work. And so... If you can raise that to 20%, you will be blowing away the market because yeah. if you can leverage as a group what you can do, it's amazing what your what potential things your your community can do. And, that, and that's that, what I'm thinking about too is uh, in terms of branding, like the suburb that I live in in Brisbane is called Oxley. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm thinking of, of branding it as, you know, Santa of Oxley or something to that because you know i yes i want to i want to do well at this and I, I want it to expand and grow but at the moment i also i don't want to be covering a whole capital city like i i think if i can sure. sort of nail the market in my area um mm -hmm. and sort of you know surrounding suburbs as well but so i think that that's kind of my goal for the foreseeable future is yeah so my, my local area so, Brennan, two things. First of all, don't start limiting yourself this early in the game. Okay. Because okay? what's going to happen is as you get your name out there, as you develop your market, you're going to get opportunities that you never dreamed of. P 
people are going to say, hey, we want you to be the Santa for our parade. And after the parade, you're going to do photos with the kids. And then you're going to get up on stage and you're going to introduce somebody and so on and so forth. This will happen. Okay. Okay. As you start to get known as a quality Santa, more opportunities will beat, beat their way to your door. So don't limit yourself. But the other thing is, is you're absolutely right. You know, if your bread and butter is going to be your local community, there are a ton of ways you can build into that market. And so, for instance, let's say you made a flyer that mm -hmm. said, how about Santa comes to your preschool and takes photos with the kids as Santa and does a little storytelling, a little singing with the kids. And then you give that flyer to every preschool in your area. And along with that, you give them a discount for home visits. And mm -hmm. so that preschool offers their parents a, a $25 discount to have Santa do a home visit. So now everybody in that, in that preschool has pictures of you with their kids. And now they're looking at, well, maybe we'll just have Santa come by on Christmas Eve or the day before or what have you. And so in the, in the space of one season, suddenly you're doing four preschools. And now yeah. they want you to come back forever and always. And then you say, okay, I'm going to make a flyer where I'm going to go to every senior home. Okay. And then you say, and I'm going to make a flyer or have a web page that is going to be targeting every tree lighting for every local city mm -hmm. or suburb in my area. And you say, here's what I do. I have a tree lighting countdown. I sing. We do the night before Christmas, yada, yada. And you build that into a list and you reach out to them and say, do you have Christmas events? Do you already have a Christmas performer? No. Guess what? Check out this video clip. Boom. Okay. Mm -hmm. Don't limit yourself. And then also understand that it, it just a little bit, I shouldn't say a little bit of work, but a, a bit of work. And you can have more customers than you know what to, what to do with very quickly. At least that's here in the American market. I don't know the Australian yeah. Sure. That kind and, of scares me a little bit too, because I, you know, I saw uh, similar to Matt, I work for the postal service, different, different roles. I'm not out, you know, delivering mail. I'm, I'm right. in the office side of things, but you know, I, I also can't afford to have chunks of time off my sure. job. You, so and, it would be, it would and, be, you know, afternoons, evenings and weekends Yeah, you, you is, is you all I build, have available to me. Yeah. And I, I do have um, a very limited schedule just because of what I do for a living but it mm. is interesting how even this, she can make it work yeah it is interesting though how um I still have people that say to me what about this even though I and I, you know I this year I did end up making everything work I just had to have people change some things or you know I I had to change some things around personally um in terms of how i was planning out my day i fit somebody in where i actually didn't have an appointment <laughs> that kind of, and then we had a yeah. huge storm here and i had that yes, that changed I remember <laughs> yeah that changed travel and i was without power for a whole day and then one of the customers i was supposed to go to didn't have power and stuff like mm. so that you know um so but you will still get things that you can in you know, unfortunately, you, you do have to say no to some things, but yeah. they do but, come in, you know, and so you can, here, I, I understand what True is saying in, in not limiting yourself, but also you're going to have to, 
it, it sucks, but you have to also not be afraid to say no, just because yes, you, you know, right. like you do, you, you have a, you, you know, you have your wife also, and your son in your job. You can't, you need to put mm. breaks into your schedule. Mm-hmm. Yes. You put in downtime. And so a couple of things you can do is like, for instance, if you know, you get three weeks of vacation a year, you could say one of those weeks is just dedicated to Santa work. And so you you figure that, you know, one of yeah, those. It's people, easier said than done. <laughs> well, because they limit they limit the amount of time you can take holidays over the Christmas period. Yeah. OK. And you but, have to apply for it months in advance and be very lucky to get it. But but let's just say that um, you you say whatever time you can get, you scrape it up and you use it in the season that you can. Mm-hmm. And and here's the other thing is once you start doing a couple of things for people who are affiliated organizations, you, you might be surprised if your boss comes around and says, you know what, we're going to do what we can to help him because he's mm-hmm. bringing a lot of joy, especially if you just start doing pro bono gigs. Yeah. If you uh, if you start doing uh, pro bono gigs for the local um, police department or for social welfare agencies or, you know, and, you know, food, food drives or what have you. Once you mm-hmm. start doing the pro bono stuff, people start finding ways to help you. That's yeah. part of the magic of what we do. Part of the Santa synchronicity. Um, Brendan, I, I wanted to pick your brain real quick. Yeah. What would you say was your biggest challenge this last season? Hmm. Overcoming nerves <laughs> to start with. Um, I, I I said to Matt that when I the first honestly, even just doing it for my son here at home privately, when I was upstairs getting dressed, I was so nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but particularly the day that I did my first non-family one with the the neighbor in in my estate, um, I was walking out the door almost shaking. I was so nervous because I'd I'd never done it before, you know. Um, But it's funny. The second I knocked on that door and she answered, it went away. Boom. It's so funny. Oh, I'm sorry to butt in, Brendan. uh, Quick question. Quick question, Brendan. Why? Why did it suddenly go away? Because I was having fun. (laughs) Um, Right. uh-huh. And to be honest, and I was going to mention this when we were talking about the voice, is I'd, I'd sort of been practicing things with Jess and, and we'd, we'd sort of gotten there. Um, when I knocked on that door, I still didn't know what was going to come out of my come out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. And the second she answered the door and I started talking, it was there. And so, so honestly, what you were doing, so what you were doing is you were you suddenly were in character. You were in mm-hmm. your role. You were in the realm of play. And that's the thing. I was going to mention it too with the voice thing. If you guys asked me to do my voice now, I don't think I could. Mm-hmm. But if I was in costume mm-hmm. and I had a kid in front of me, I'd be able to do it like that. So again, the the goal is is to to mix your natural voice with your character your character uh, voice, and not to be obvious. Because what you don't want to have to do is have a character voice that you have to work to sustain through your season. Mm. It will kick your butt. You won't be able oh, to. Yeah. 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 Especially if you get sick. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, if you get sick, suddenly you're in a lower register anyway. So that kind yeah. of. <laughs> so, Matt, what was your biggest challenge during the season? Oh, um, <clears throat> interesting. I had a very slow 
start to booking. I really was looking forward to to booking kind of everything early and knowing what my season was going to be like. I um, I reached out to clients I had last year. I sent them fairly early emails. I offered uh, discounts to to some older customer. You know, I had a. Uh, uh, a giveaway to uh, do my my Christmas Eve Santa sighting. I said, you know, if you and um, <clears throat> one of them, uh, you know, if you book early, you can get a Christmas Eve Santa sighting, uh, that kind of thing. And it just really went very very slowly. I ended up with with a decent number of of events, and I I was happy with the number I had. But I had a very discouraging early start. Everybody booked very kind of late. Like, My season was very lumpy too. Yeah. Uh, so it, was, it, it was, wasn't just you. Okay. That's good. And so that was my biggest challenge was kind of. So let me, let me stop you there, Matt. Brendan and Matt, if I, uh, I'll start with you, Brendan. So you said one of the challenges you faced was nerves coming mm -hmm. into the season. How would you, uh, who would you go to? What would you do to deal with this problem in your next season? Ah, uh, honestly, I, I don't know if it would be such a problem next season because the small amount of times I did it, the nerves were sort of less every time. And I knew that the second I walked in the door, mm -hmm. they were gone. So it honestly, from when I started like two or three weeks before Christmas, it was very quick to when I finished on Christmas Eve and the last time I did it. I wasn't nervous anymore. I was more excited about getting in there and doing it because I knew, I mean, yes, there was a little bit of nervous energy, okay, but I so was, I was more excited than anything. I'm going to, for the, the purpose of this podcast, I'm going to stop you there. So Brendan, yes, you're, you're, you're going to acclimate to the level of uh, exposure that you have now, mm -hmm. but suddenly your wife walks around the corner and says, they're going to have a symphony orchestra doing Christmas music, and they want you to be their Santa. <laughs> so we had in my in my group Christmas performer workshops. I have uh, two people who are Santas for uh, the Philly Pops, and uh, for another one in South Carolina, I believe. Big time, real union gigs. Okay, serious, yeah. serious gigs. Do you think they have nerves? If, yeah, well, yeah. When you mention that, the first thing I do would be reaching for a change of pants. Right. Um, but, 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 yeah, but, I, yeah. But here's the thing. This is where how you start thinking about your season, what you're going to do to improve is critical. Yeah. And so you say, hey, my wife is an opera singer. I bet you she deals with the nerves when she has to do a solo. Mm. So she would be a good resource. Do I yes. have any people who, uh, any Christmas performers in my area who are doing high, big, you know, big value gigs where there is a lot of stress? There's another person. Can I talk to uh, a theater person? Absolutely. You know, somebody who's teaching improv in your area and so on and so on. Start thinking in terms of here's a challenge. How am I going to meet this challenge? How am I going to prove and be better for the next season? Yeah. And one thing I would caution you on is never assume that you're going to be okay. Oh yeah. No. Okay. I'm so, I'm, well, I'm just going to butt in real quick yeah. and just say that um, 
I have horrible imposter syndrome. I really do. Yeah. I, I, I have an anxiety issue and, and things like that. So every gig to me is a little bit like what you just were describing earlier, Brendan, where the entire way there I am, oh God, they're going to see through me. They're going to know I'm a fraud. They're going to know I'm not Santa. I'm going to ruin their Christmas, yada, yada, on and on. Then I get there and I have this moment where I stop and I go, okay, I've done this before. I know I can do it. It pretty much always turns out really well. I've only had a couple mm. kids that 100% saw right through me. And that was good. Nothing I could do was ever going to change that kid anyway. I'll be fine. I'm Santa for this family. Go. And I just kind of yeah. use, uh, but, and but I have that. And then when but, I leave, I'm always fine, you know. <laughs> so um, I, if you had me as your coach, I would point you toward these resources. Mm -hmm. I would point you toward other people who could help you with this kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. I would work with you on this. That's my job as a coach. Whereas critique, I'm going to say, yeah, your posture definitely said you were a ball of a, a ball of stress, right? You know what have you, um, Matt? Mm -hmm. So his was performing, mm -hmm. yours is business. Yes. And so if I said to you, Matt, what are you going to do to fix this problem for next season? Who would you go to? Who would who would be the people who would give you? Uh, the kind of input you need to excel for next season. Boy, that's interesting. Um, well, um, <laughs> I guess I don't really know. I reached out to some other Santas that I that I know this past season to ask if anybody else was having similar problems and what they were doing about it. And you're actually the first one that told me they were having a, a rocky start. Other people I said talked to said they were doing okay. So I was a, a little bit perplexed yeah, okay. and, and downhearted by that as well. Pay um, no attention to the people who are saying that I'm getting a billion dollars and I have 700 gigs a year. No, okay. I, I, no, I didn't. No, I know, but I, you know. But, but I'm just saying is, is you cannot compare yourself to others. No, no. And, and, and so I, but it was, I, I was just sort of hoping that if anybody else was having a no, no, it's it, absolutely checking in and finding mm -hmm. out where you are in in, in, term um, of, in terms of relevance is very important. So beyond that, boy, I, I guess I don't really know, honestly. So there would be a bunch of resources for you to go look at. First of all, you'd go and look at all your other Santas, the ones who are super uh, or Christmas performers mm -hmm. uh, in your area, the ones who are really successful. The ones who are doing the kind of gigs you want to do, mm -hmm. the ones who, who have got this down. And then you go and look at their marketing. And then you uh, talk to your local businesses, mm -hmm. right? The, the, uh, the, the entrepreneur, uh, 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 small business startup people. Oh, because yeah. you are essentially a, your own performing business. You're a, you're a, a single, uh, a single owner business enterprise. Yes. And there are whole businesses out there. There are whole uh, government agencies designed to help you. And so, okay. and, and so the, the thing is, is again, my job as a coach is to say, okay, so you want to do Facebook ads. Who do you know who does good Facebook ads? And you mm -hmm. go, oh, I see this one person all the time. They're all over. I said, all right, take them to lunch. 
Find out what days are the best days to put out your ads. Find out where they're getting their ads made. Oh, look, they're going to Fiverr. Can they kick you some names of some people? Okay. Right? To help build your, your, your graphics. Think of your Santa career like this, your Santa journey, and then you're going to pay it back down the road. Because once you once you're at the point where you're going all going along tickety boo and everything is you know you're getting the best gigs and you're completely you know booked out and what have you, that's when you turn around and you take that energy and that knowledge and you share it with the other people behind you. Okay. You know, and and so one of the one of the challenges we have in the Christmas performing community is we don't see ourselves as first of all a journey. And we don't necessarily see ourselves in terms of all of us on this journey together. Some of us see ourselves as we don't. One of the best things you can do is don't turn your competitors, don't turn your colleagues into competitors. Uh, true story. I'm here in, in Thousand Oaks. Uh, I'm just on the other side of Malibu from the mountains. And a Santa came up and uh, he, there was a gig uh, on the Malibu Pier. On Christmas, on Christmas morning, or, or uh, Christmas Eve morning, and you know, who could ask for a better gig? It's most beautiful, one of the most beautiful places on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know, very high visibility, and it's you know, fifteen miles, seventeen miles from my house. And I bid for the gig, and another guy got it, and he's coming all the way from Orange County, which was you know, seventy, eighty miles an hour, two hours driving minimum. Wow! So he's essentially poaching a gig in my backyard. His name was Ron Breach. I reached out and I talked to him, and now we are very, very good friends, and he became a Santa mentor to me. Wow. That's right? awesome. And, and he's been around forever and, and, and knows, you know, where, where all the fuzzy suits are buried. And the, 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 the thing is, is that I, had I not reached out for him, I might have had this invisible chip on my shoulder forevermore. But intent, instead, I had a friend who I ended up going to many of the big Santa uh, conventions, everything we would do, uh, we would drive together and everything. And I would pick his brain and I would help him with the stuff I was coming up with. And so if we start seeing ourselves uh, as on this journey together, start coaching each other, start at looking at our season and saying, okay, so where are my deficiencies? Hey, let's talk. If I went to Matt and said, Hey, Matt, you know, here's some of the things I, here was my season. And Matt listens and goes, you know, true. I didn't hear you talking about podcasting or, 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 you know, maybe online training. Maybe you should do some of that. And I would go, hey, Matt, can you tell me how to do that? Mm -hmm. And Matt would go, oh, heck yeah, I do that 24-7, seven days a week. You know, boom. If I go to Brendan and I say, so, Brendan, here in the U.S., we talk about Santa Claus switching over to the six white boomers in Australia, <laughs> the six giant uh, kangaroos all named Bruce. Um, do you actually use that in Australia? No. <laughs> <laughs> you see, here in the United States, it's kind of a, a running regional uh, joke. You know, Texan Santas use longhorns. Uh, Cajun Santas use uh, alligators. And uh, when, when I tell people I'm down in Australia, I use my six white kangaroos. And, and so an Australian could be in the audience going, no, we don't do that. No. You know, <laughs> I did. I did. No, uh, it's very much the reindeer. Yeah, and and Brendan can attest to this. I, I encouraged him because obviously here, um, you know, obviously the classic look for Santa is is the the coat and the the white fur mm -hmm. and everything. It, 
true in you're in California, so it's closer to Australian weather anyway. It's warmer at Christmas here where I am. It's generally cooler at Christmas in Australia. It's summertime. So I mm-hmm. said to Brendan, you know, you you might want to consider the possibility of looking like maybe a little summery. And he he did have some some Christmas shirts that were nice Christmas shirts. And he took some fun like Australian themed Santa uh pictures and i was like that could you could have a coat that goes over that come in mm-hmm. and the coat comes off and you are and say to the kids look i know you see pictures of me in a coat but it's summer i'm gonna wear Don't worry this. about it you know so uh brendan if you get a chance to look at any uh, go to uh, santa true uh either on facebook or on 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 um uh on the web and look at the photos, and you'll see ninety percent of my photos are me with a over uh, with a parade coat, and then underneath that a waistcoat and a shirt. Yeah. And the minute I come into the house, I get that parade coat off of me because otherwise I'll die a, a, a hot, sweaty death. And so it's the waistcoat and a nice white shirt with embroidered sleeves, and that works perfectly. And so. Yeah. And then the other nice thing about the waistcoat is that gives you, if you have a variety of waistcoats, it gives you a variety of looks. Looks, yeah. So someday you can do a burgundy and another dark green and the next one a, a scarlet. And so and so if you vary that up during a season, the photos that everybody is seeing, they're seeing a variety that you're putting out there. And they go, ooh. And all the mm-hmm. photographers are going, I want to book him. Yeah. Yeah, that was going to be one of my questions is because, yeah, in California, like, how do you how do you deal with the 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 temperature? Because it's, yeah, it's it, going to definitely be a thing it's here. Definitely, I, it's definitely mm-hmm. a challenge. And the other thing is, is, you know, my poor lady has, um, she, I, you would swear she had never had blood circulation in her life. Um, she freezes, you know, if it goes above, uh, if it goes, uh, 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 below 70, she's, you know, my wife's the same on blankets and I'm walking mm, around in, like that. in a t-shirt, <laughs> you know? And so in the car, I'm driving to a gig and I had the AC cranked up and she's uh-huh. freezing to death, the poor thing. And then the minute I'm out of the car, she cranks the heater up. I get back into the car. It's now an oven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had I had gigs this Christmas where it was it was cold outside and I was driving to my gigs with all the windows in my car. <laughs> it was like yeah. 30 degrees outside and I'm like, I'm just letting the air come in. <laughs> like uh, my plan is I'd like to have a a variation of looks that mm. customers can choose from, but also I'm going to have like some sort of fine print of like if oh. if the venue is not air conditioned or it's an outside, you're getting summer Santa. Because so, I, I can't wear the, the suit all the first time. First of all, it's just I wouldn't necessarily go, go ahead, Matt. Oh, you're, you're probably going to say the exact same thing I was. So you go ahead. All right. So two things. Number one, necessarily don't give them the option. Okay. All right. Yeah, just roll in what you're going to roll. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it, as long as you feel confident in your, in your outfit and it looks good on, on, on photo, by and large, they're going to be happy. But here's the other thing. Um, you're, uh, you're the one who decides what your Santa is. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what he's going to look like when you, uh, when you work with photographers and everything or, well, here's the big danger with having a variety of looks. And that is, is somebody during your thing says, I want this look. Mm-hmm. 
you're trapped in that look for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. You're not going to be able to run home and swap out by and large. Okay. I mean, if you have time, you schedule great. But for instance, if I have four or five gigs that day, and I'm going from one to the other, the other, and the one of the first people in the gig says, we want you in the full super suit with the jacket, with everything. I'm going to sweat to death in two seconds flat. I can't wear that yeah. for the whole season. This, this, for this the is whole something I didn't think of. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so whatever you have to look over your whole day and say, mm -hmm. do I have time to go home and swap suits? And then the other question is, is if I wore this, this particular outfit the whole day yesterday, am I going to be able to get a clean deodorized so on yeah. and so forth to wear it the next day? Because it may not even have dried out. Although I can show you a bunch of different things you can do to fix that. I'm going to change topics on you just a, 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 a real quick. Um, I sent you a link or I sent you some information for three books I'd like you to read. Uh, the first one, uh, you don't hear schools do this very often, but I'm going to give a shout out to Tim Conahan. Tim Conahan has a book called Behind the Red Suit. It is probably the best book on the performing or on the business side of being a Santa. There's some performing information in there too, but it is very solid and it is very comprehensive. So it's 60 bucks in the US, I think, for the most recent version, but it's worth the money. Get that, read it cover to cover. I got it for Christmas. Yeah. I'm very excited. Yeah. So the second book I, I recommend is The Battle for Christmas. Now, I don't know how appropriate, how much it's going to make a difference for you because you're in Australia, but pretty much the genesis of what we think of as Santa Claus, which you're kind of imitating in, in, in Australia, you're kind of probably doing a hybrid between Father Christmas and Santa Claus because of the, the British yeah. roots. Yeah, a little it, bit. It, honestly, it, it's very, I think our Santa is very American. It, it's okay. the, very much the so, Americanized version of Santa. It's called The Battle for Christmas by Stephen Nissenbaum. It's, um, it talks about that early 1800s in particular, where we see the genesis and the evolution of Santa Claus. It will inform your backstory and your character work a great deal. I heartily recommend it. Just looking at Behind the Red Suit, to get the paperback here in Australia is $110. It is not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, finally, um, the other book I recommend is uh, An Arctic Life by <laughs> Tilly Smith. Um, and it talks about everything you want to know about reindeer because Santa would be an expert on reindeer. Okay. Okay. Read and those three. love to know about reindeer. Yep. They really As, I can talk about reindeer for 20 minutes, never repeating myself once and fascinating the whole time. And, and so, uh, and then also I'm blending between the, the fantasy reindeer and the real life reindeer, which makes it even more interesting because they're not aware of where one leaves and the other one begins. Okay. So um, those three books do take the time, do the research, read them. If you have any questions, feel free to give me a shout. I literally yes, just bought the Battle of Christmas because it was on Kindle over here for eleven bucks. There you go. <laughs> so it's, I've got that. It's a good read. It's it's really well done. So, on the business side, there find resources that are going to help you on your business side. But here are the, some of the things you want to focus on for your character for your upcoming year. You want to uh, take vocal classes. You've got uh, a lady who's a professional singer, so that's a huge help right there. Yes. Um, improvisation. You want to learn improv. So go join an improv troupe and have some fun with it. You want to learn character work. And so people who do character work, actors and clowns, 
So if you have any acting groups or any or, or any clown groups in your area, great people to talk to. Uh, also, role-playing, LARPing. You know, if you if you go out and do LARPing or, or uh, uh, Dungeons and Dragons or any of the other kind of gaming kind of things, a lot not, of the cosplay not people. Not my thing, but yeah, I know what you're saying. Right. But there are but reenactors, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to a Renaissance fair here in the U.S. and you run into a Queen Elizabeth here, she's a, probably an amazing character performer. Mm-hmm. And so to watch them do their thing, we have reenactors here who do Ben Franklin and Abraham Lincoln and, you know, uh, uh, Frederick Douglass and what have you. Reach out, go and see how they do and talk to them if you can, because that kind of reenacting is kind of the depth of what we're trying to do as Christmas performers. Mm-hmm. Um, go take, uh, learn movement and physicality. And so that's expressiveness, which you can learn in modeling, and also movement, which is something you can study in mime how to bring your character to life. And so these are all things you could study. Uh, when you study with a stage group, you can learn how to work a stage, you know? And so uh, part of that is, is, you know, learning how to perform on stage and how to work in a small audience. You know, that's again, something you might learn at a Renaissance fair if you were doing a character. And then um, learn how to work with other performers. How do you support an, a Mrs. Claus? How do you support an elf? How do you, you know, if, if suddenly you show up and there's a Mrs. Claus there and you've never worked with her before, how are you going to do that? Mm. Okay. And that happens all the time. I showed this year, I had three different Grinches show up. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and so now I'm researching Grinches and trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way I can, I can mm-hmm. make my character strong and supportive for a Grinch. Um, learn how to be a marathon performer. If you see your season as lasting 30, 35 days, that's a long performance. And so what does it take to be a marathon performer? Um, learn how to do storytelling. So there are storytelling groups. Actually, there's some really good storytelling groups in Australia. Okay. And so go and find an, a, a, a traditional spoken word storytelling group. Moth, the personal story stuff is good, but see if you can find the traditional storytellers doing traditional stories. That will really, and then try doing it yourself. Yep. And then... Um, Think about um, your backstory. What uh, if I said to you, "What is the North Pole?" What would be your answer? You know, what are what's going on? Matt, in the, Matt knows my answer. <laughs> right. What's going on at the North Pole where you are right now? You know, what's the biggest challenge that you've faced recently? Where were you before you stepped up to the door of that house? Mm-hmm. Where are you going after you leave the door of that house? You know, what were you doing two weeks ago? What were you doing a decade ago? What were you doing a century ago? Mm-hmm. You know, these are all the kind of things that are going to help empower your character and make you a strong performer. And the great thing about being a strong performer is, is even if you're, you're not the world's best marketer, right, you still have, if, if for instance, in the U.S., we have uh, mall gigs, and sometimes those mall gigs can be a bit abusive, Right. They can say, oh, yeah, uh, we're you have to work 10 hour days. We're only going to pay you X amount and lump it or leave it. Leave it. Yeah, because you are strong enough as a Christmas performer to say, you know what? I do not need this small gig. I can go out and do home visits or I can go out and do this other thing. And just to to piggyback off that, the the good thing about um, becoming a strong performer is if you leave people that you visit with a, a good impression of you, 
they'll tell other people. So even if you mm. don't end up being the best marketer, it could be, I heard from a word of mouth. So-and-so, you know, th- so mm. there's, there's something to be said for the word of mouth as well, you know, so. Did you have any other questions, Brendan? Um, I guess, well, my, I guess I'll tell you sort of what my plan or what my think my plan is. And, and if you think it's the right approach, because the stuff I did last season, uh, obviously I didn't charge for any of it, A, because a lot of it was family and, and, you know, and, and friends and stuff, but also, you know, the one I did on Christmas Eve, like they, they were trying to give me money. And I, I just flat out said, look, no, you know, this, this is all practice for me this year. I'm not a professional. I'm, I'm just sort of putting, dipping my toe in the water. Um, but, you know, I'm planning on doing a lot of things this, well, in 2023. Um, so, so next year, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it again. But m- my plan is a home visit sort of in, in the area. Um, so 15 to 20 minutes, whatever um would be sort of 50 bucks and you know if if it involves travel uh, out of the area and stuff i'd probably add a bit more onto it because i know fuel prices are just insane everywhere um that's sort of my thinking uh you know online visits uh, you know say 25 to 30 dollars um and i I was thinking too of, of doing like letters to santa like if they wanted the kids to send their letters to me, I I will write back as Santa. You say maybe five bucks or something. Um, and then at the end of the season, whatever money I've earned, um, I want to donate at least 10% to the children's hospital mm-hmm. here in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> what because I'm not I'm not doing it for the money. Um and whatever I earn then goes back into the business. So, you know, back in, you know, to, to put towards a better suit, to put towards a better beard, um, that sort of stuff. So that that's my plan in my head. Do you mm. think that's a good plan? <laughs> I guess so, would be my question. A, a, couple of, a couple of things. I do a ton of pro bono work here. One of the cool things about being a seasonal celebrity is you have the ability to throw your, your energy toward various projects. I have raised thousands of dollars for fire victims, for mm-hmm. um, various social agencies. Um, this last year, I, I, I had a fundraiser for Ukraine. Um, so every year, I pick two or three things that I'm going to throw my energy behind to help raise money for. Mm-hmm. And that's something I definitely recommend because absolutely, we need to walk the walk. Yeah. The, what we do has to stand for something. Yeah. That being said... As a uh, as a performer, always get something in exchange. Always, mm-hmm. there are two reasons for this. Number one, it's a cycle of energy. Okay, when you cut somebody off from giving back to you, you're essentially stopping them from completing the cycle. They need to engage with you. They need to give you energy, just like you gave them energy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so let's say you're doing a pro bono gig and they, they say, oh, uh, well, first of all, one thing about pro bono gigs is here in the United States, we have what are called nonprofits. And nonprofits are actually some of the most profitable businesses on the planet 
they make some of these. I yes. believe the NFL is technically qualified as a nonprofit, if that right. tells you anything. But <laughs> yeah, the, some of the biggest nonprofits in the United States, their chairmen make millions of dollars a year. Of course they do. Yeah. So uh, if the, the rule of thumb is if the DJ is getting paid, Santa gets paid. Yeah. Okay. So, but here's the other thing. So let's say you're doing it for free for this nonprofit or that organization. Ask them, would it be possible, for instance, maybe if I could um, trade uh, some, you have a conference room there. Could I get your conference room for a day? Or um, if the press is coming, can I give you my content? And can you share this content with the, uh, with the media? Mm -hmm. Okay. But always, always get something in trade because they need to recognize that what you're contributing is, is of value. It's one of my, I did a, I did a kind of a contest this year, um, contest giveaway, whatever. It was just one of the things uh, I came up with the idea. I wanted to give away my Christmas Eve Santa sightings in return for, I had two local uh, things that I, there's, there's something that one of the radio stations here does called Christmas is for kids where you, you know, you get children's wish lists and you shop for children in need. And then there's COTS, the committee on temporary shelter, which houses, uh, homeless folks. And I said, you could make a donation to COTS or shop for uh, a child in need. And, and you can get one of these. And one of the Christmas Eve Santa sightings I did this year was uh, actually the family I mentioned earlier that the mom was like, wow, we never had this when I was a kid. They, they made a donation to the, to COTS. Mm. And that, you know, and I just, I wanted to encourage one of the things one of the things yeah. you're going to realize as you get into your Santa season is, is rich people tend to be one of two flavors. They'll either give you, they'll, they'll, they'll use you for less time than you expected, give you the golden handshake, a hundred dollar bill and send you on your way. You know, only you're there for an hour and they get done with you in 15 minutes, you know, and you're kind of like, really, I got dressed all up and I came all the way here for that. Or the flip side is, is they'll, they'll, they're clock watchers and they're going to make your life holy hell if you leave one minute early. Mm. And so that tends to be kind of the way the, the, the rich people roll. Some of them are truly decent, wonderful people. Sometimes they're not. But I will tell you, of all the people who tip, it is always the poorest people who tip me. Here in, the, here in Los Angeles, we've got a lot of people who are economically challenged. And those people will almost always try to force money on me. Mm -hmm. And I do not say no, Mm -hmm. because it's important to them. They recognize shooting. And so what I do is I take that money and I put that, when they tip me, I take that money and I put it into um, my various charity projects. So two things I would recommend. Number one, when you're putting aside that money to reinvest, put some money away for emergencies. Mm-hmm. Because what will happen is, is you're going to suddenly get your dry cleaning back from your the cleaners at the last minute, and all your fur will be pinked, and oh, my God, you're screwed. Okay? Terror. Oh, the terror right. of sending your suit to a dry cleaner. Right. So always put some money away for emergencies uh, for, for your Christmas, designated for your Christmas season. And then the other thing I would recommend is put some money away that is going to be money that you're going to use to help other Christmas performers. Mm-hmm. And so um, if you know of somebody that you're going to be mentoring and you know that this person doesn't have two dimes to rub together and you save up a little money and you say, you know what, I'm going to help this person. And the deal is, is it's a reciprocal loan. 
you know, after you get through your first season, go ahead and kick me back the money, but let's get you into a good suit now. So you're starting off on the right foot. That's something that uh, that is going to do two things. Number one, that's going to give you in three years, that Christmas performer is going to be a colleague. Right. And so if you get suddenly sick, that person's going to be able to fill that gig for you. You know, to be there to help mm. you or might be able to lend you a suit or what have you. But you essentially you're building your your reinforcement, your structure. But the other thing is, is that's also going to travel through the community. Because now that person, the next person they help, they've got a little seed money to help person that person get into a good suit or to get the training they need. Okay. And so think in depth and it will really help you um, build the, the um, support structure that you need. Oh, a lot good of idea. good stuff there. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. How are well, we doing on time? <laughs> we have been going. Uh, I actually am going to have to get going. I have something else that I, I've got to do. So uh, I could, could technically I could do this forever, but I'd also don't want to <laughs> hold you guys up or anything like that. You know, I want to let Brendan get back to his family and true. It's probably getting dinner time out your way and everything. So but guys, thank you uh, both so much. Um, if you are listening to this, be on the lookout for True's Christmas Performer Workshops. I know you have two already on your schedule, one in Ohio and one in Georgia, correct? One near Cincinnati and the other one in Alabama, Gwynn, Alabama. But or Alabama, have, that's right. Mm -hmm. Right. We, so the one in Gwynn, Alabama is happening in February. The, the one in Cincinnati is happening in June. And we have one happening in Michigan in June. And I might have some good news to report uh, about places closer to me. Yay. <laughs> so, uh, but, but here's here, uh, one other thing I was going to toss at you, Brendan, don't be hesitant to create a virtual offering as well. Yeah. Okay. Because that's a, a wonderful resource and it, it's a great way to fill in around the cracks. And, and for instance, if, so, if you couldn't make it or they get sick, you can still do a recording for them. Yeah. So, it, it definitely saved, add that to it, your deck back to my my the, the day we had the huge storm here one of the families i was supposed to go visit they didn't have power but they had their little magic pocket computer and whoosh, there they were right there and i could i could still visit yeah. them digital and, you know, is definitely something i want to offer as well because yeah it, it is it'll be it'll make things and it's yeah, nice and easy quicker. you don't even have to leave your house no. <laughs> In, in um, case I haven't, in case I haven't said it, Matt, thank you so much for everything you do. It really does oh, no, mean a lot. No, thank you, and Brendan. Thank you for being willing to step up and and to be an awesome Christmas performer. It means a lot. Thank you, and and thank you for offering the help and advice you have today, True. And and Matt knows how I feel about him and and the podcast because. Yeah, like literally it was my plan for for Christmas just gone was to dress up for my son and his cousins on Christmas Eve and and that was it. Um and then I started listening to North Pole Radio in November and <laughs> and I started just getting all these ideas and I just got to the point where it's like, you know what, I I mean just got to listen to the first episode I was on. I mean, it's something I've always wanted to do and it was this show that made me go, you know what? I'm doing it now. And mm -hmm. and here That's I am what 2 months later and <laughs> I'm I'm planning to to create my own business this year. So yeah. it's pretty crazy, but it's also very awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you're both here. Thank you very much. <laughs>